0: Welcome to the SaaS Sales Performance Podcast, the show for anyone wanting to be on the cutting edge of SaaS tech sales. We provide the tools you need to take advantage of the rapidly changing sales environment. We bring you the leading experts on the front lines of SaaS sales, and distill down our famous masterclasses into bite-sized practical tips. Your hosts will be Ash Ali and Matt Milligan, and on this podcast, we'll be helping you transform your ability to sell more, so you can smash your targets. Hey everyone, and welcome to the 20th episode of the SaaS Sales Performance Podcast. I'm Jamie Slevin, and the following is an extract from my conversation with Vinit Shah. Vinit is the Founder and Managing Director of the London School of Sales. He's also a dedicated educator of sales leaders. Today, he offers us some wonderfully practical advice, as well as taking me through his position on the sales climate as it is today. So with no further ado, here is Vinit Shah. Vinit, thanks for being here.
1: Thank you for having me, Jamie. Good to be here. How's it all going? Yeah, it's going well. It's been an interesting 15 months or so. And we're now coming out of the restrictions and lockdown. So we're having to adapt again. It's interesting, definitely interesting times.
0: There's lots I want to get into today. But before any of that, how has
1: the adjustment been for you? So the adjustment has been, there's different phases that I would say that I've been through. There was this phase where it was overwhelming. Back in December, I remember just feeling completely overwhelmed and feeling as though Actually, I was exhausted because I'd literally gone at 100 miles an hour. And then I got that rest. And then I came into January and my mind was just fresh with ideas and opportunity. And then I just tackled it in a completely different way. So I think throughout the pandemic, I've gone through different phases. And I think a lot of people have. But it's whether individuals have been able to take stock and just take a step back and actually just understand what they've been going through personally, physically themselves, mentally themselves as well.
0: Yeah, one of the quirks of having an 18-month pandemic is it really is long enough to have distinct six-month phases. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) So look, I'd like to focus today on the role of managers and specifically what they can do better. So the question is, what are the main pitfalls that managers tend to fall into when they're driving a sales team specifically?
1: So to answer that question, firstly, I'm going to actually give you a couple of statistics. The sales industry has the highest turnover of any industry in the UK pre-pandemic, it sat at about 25%. And during the pandemic, it's increased. I think Crunchbase recently reported that they believe it's close to 35%. Now, a lot of organizations also fear losing their best salespeople. So they tend to promote them into management roles. Typically, after doing that, they then fail to give them the training or development that they need to thrive in management roles, because the best salespeople don't make the best managers. And Steve Rosen, who is an author, and he wrote a book called Star Results. He's the CEO of Star Results. He did some research and identified that 40% of sales managers fail within the first 18 months. And they fail not because they're bad at sales. They fail because they just aren't given the tools, the training, the support that they need to thrive as a manager. Pre-pandemic, it's reported that that number is as high as 60%, okay? So when you ask me that question as to, you know, what is it? a sales manager needs? What is it that actually a sales manager is going through? Well, first and foremost, are they actually being set up in the right way to be able to perform the job, the task that they are being employed to do? And in a lot of cases, they're not. That development, that training just hasn't been given to them. So what you tend to find is that they are struggling with the weight of expectation, really. It's the pressure because They're no longer just having to manage themselves. All of a sudden, they're having to manage their team. They're having to manage the results. They're having to manage the forecast. They're having to manage delivering on the number. All of these elements create pressure for them. So I think the biggest challenge for them is actually coming to terms with all of this new pieces of work that they have to deliver.
0: There's a couple of details in there. The first is, what constitutes failure for a manager when you say it was up to 60% of managers pre-pandemic failed? Is there a sort of a definition of that that carries across organisations?
1: Ultimately, the way that Steve Rosen described it is that they resign, they leave, they leave the business. Funnily enough, when you use that term failure, ultimately failure in sales is typically linked to not hitting your target, not hitting your results. And I think that actually that's a very crass way of looking at failure because you need to fail in order to learn. It's being able to help managers fail in the right way so that they are able to build that confidence, pick themselves up and actually go again. It's
0: such an interesting detail because of what you're doing when you're saying that failure and by failure, I mean failure to meet targets isn't okay. is you're not allowing successful, quote unquote, behaviours to develop because they develop most effectively, as everybody knows, especially in the sales context, in an area where there isn't that much formal training traditionally. You have to go and do it, fail, and then come back with the lessons of the day. Something that came out there that I thought was particularly interesting is that you said the top salespeople often don't translate into great sales managers, which on one level makes an immense amount of sense, you know, just because they're totally different skill sets. But that slight area of confusion, or maybe the subtle suggestion that they should be able to translate, is kind of the premise of the US office, right? If I'm correct, the whole premise is top salesperson becomes kind of comically bad manager. Is there something to be said for top salespeople not progressing into sales managerial roles unless they are the right shape as a personality for it? Or does that feel like it's something that is all of a sudden limiting top salespeople?
1: I'll talk about this from my own experience. I've managed lots of teams. I've managed managers as well. And I've spoken to individuals who are contributing members of sales teams that feel that their only direction is to become sales manager. And funnily enough, it's about having that open conversation about the prospects for that individual. Because what you'll find is that salespeople are hungry. And as they evolve, as they become better at their role, they want to know how can their career development progress. So as a manager, it's about having that conversation to say, well, okay, are you suited for management? What are you looking to achieve? Because if the motivation for an individual is to actually earn more money, then becoming a manager is not going to translate necessarily into earning more money. You know, If you want to actually develop as a manager because you see management as a way of coaching other individuals, helping other individuals, developing a new set of skills, then management might be for you. However, if you simply see it as a way of actually trying to earn more money and get people to think the same way that you did about sales then it just doesn't correlate. So in my experience, the best thing to do is to actually have that open, frank conversation with those individuals and say, well, look, this is where you are today. This is the opportunities that are available to you. And believe it or not, when you actually start thinking about it that way, there are lots of opportunities for salespeople to go sideways and learn different aspects of sales.
0: Rather than just thinking, well, I have to go up to become a manager because that's the next step up on the hierarchical ladder and it's more money. But really, it's not quite suited. You spoke about how often there isn't the supportive structures, potentially in terms of inability to fail or not being allowed to fail, etc. What are the other structural changes that might help managers?
1: The biggest one, in my opinion, is the person that they're reporting to. Call it the sales director, call it the commercial manager, commercial director. They need to be invested in their sales manager's future and their development they need to create that roadmap for success. So as an example, a very simple thing that I believe a lot of sales directors or sales leaders can do is to create that development plan. You know, what does success look like? Because typically what tends to happen for that sales manager is that the measure of success is results. And it's those financial results, those targets, etc. Now, in my opinion, those results are important, however... They're only important based on the inputs, the things that you put into the pipe to get those end results out. So when you're developing an individual, it's about developing those skills, those ideas, those behaviors. If you don't work on that input, then the output is always going to be a little bit tricky to determine. So as a sales manager, as a sales leader, what can you concentrate on? What's in your control? Well, it's those inputs. And so the more you can develop that sales manager in terms of thinking about things in the right way, managing the process, managing their behavior, understanding how they feel, et cetera, you're going to create more predictability in the sales process, not only for themselves, but for their team as well.
0: Yeah. And it's really interesting because in sales, we talk a lot about results and targets, which is the output. But clearly the structure that you're working in matters. And what those inputs are matter just as much as the output's if not more, because they're the thing that produced them eventually. But that's sort of an area, maybe because it's difficult to quantify, that doesn't get quite as much attention as it should. I have a question about whether the post-COVID world, and I say post-COVID sort of as you mean it too, post-restriction world, has changed the role of the manager or whether there's been any nuances in the role of the manager, A, over the last 18 months, but B, what we can expect going forwards.
1: Yes, absolutely. I mean, I, I speak to a lot of sales managers still. I speak to a lot of sales leaders still. And I believe their role has changed in that actually more and more organizations are starting to understand how important that middle management role is. I mean, let's be clear first and foremost. It's the kind of role that no one wants to do because you are under pressure from above. You've got pressure from your team. You've got pressure from customers. You've got pressure from suppliers. So you are in this pressure cooker environment where you're constantly being asked to deliver. Now, The way that it's changed is that actually it's become more of a facilitation role. They're the conduit of information across the business with their team, with the leaders, the direction of where the company is going. So the way that I believe it's changing is that they're having to be in tune with their team all the time. They're having to communicate a lot more. And when we find ourselves in this virtual environment, what you do is you actually have to over-communicate. You have to check in with each individual on a more regular basis. You have to check in as a team. You have to get people involved and immersed as a team. Not everyone is going to be able to do all the things that you want to do, but you've got to create that environment, that safe space, both online and offline for individuals to be able to talk about what they're going through, what they're feeling, what they're thinking. Because the more that a manager is able to be in tune with their team, the better they can actually create processes, systems and that environment for those individuals to thrive. And the reason why this is important is because if psychologically an employee is going through something in their personal life that's holding them back, and the pandemic has thrown up lots of these examples, well, that is naturally going to have a knock-on effect on their work life. So the more the manager is in tune with that individual, the better they will be able to help that individual.
0: It's a really good point. I mean, the physical distance between workers, middle managers and their sales teams clearly matters because, you know, what used to be a water cooler conversation or a stop by your desk and I'm just standing up with a coffee now has become a Slack message leading to a Zoom call. And now all of a sudden the sunk costs of having that interaction just seem to be that much higher, which in turn, ironically, at the point where you need more of that than ever, I'd imagine makes it difficult to do as much as you'd like unless you are intentional about it
1: totally you use that term intentional you have to be intentional as a manager my primary goal was actually to make sure that my team were okay because I knew that if I can just level with them and make sure that mentally that anything that they had as a challenge they were talking to me about and openly they just had that carefree attitude that they could actually share anything with me it created a better environment for them so as a manager you know if your thought process is well look do i care about my team that's the most important thing and as long as i care about them i want to help them the only way i can help them is if i understand what they're thinking about what barriers what blocks are mentally kind of holding them back so that water cooler example that you use is so true because you know it's those conversations that you're going from meeting room to meeting that's where those little things happen where they just share a little nugget of information and then me as a manager i'm thinking well what do you need why are you thinking about it that way Let me understand a little bit more.
0: I mean, I sometimes think of managers as having quite a tough gig because they're effectively salespeople. And now, without a massive amount of specific training, they have to start dealing with the subtleties and nuances of human behaviour. How do I measure performance on the one hand with something's clearly up on the other? How do I deal with this interpersonal relationship without unbalancing the wide dynamic? The two roles between sales and managing – being a salesperson and a manager, are so distinct. There's sort of an analogy here with lecturers and researchers, right? So what happens is top researchers are academics at universities and sort of wake up and go, oh God, I'm teaching a class in five minutes. There's some stats about the quality of teaching according to independent metrics at Ivy League schools does not generally exceed community colleges. And there's a very clear reason for it. The reason being the skill set of community college lecturers is totally aligned, totally aligned with teaching. Whereas if you're lucky, they'll be 5% aligned with researchers who typically aren't so interested. There's an alignment of skills there that I think as a manager, it's really important to be conscious of that the exact skills that got you to the position are not the exact skills that are going to make you successful in that role. And that sense of compassion and, and intentionality is more to the point.
1: The best salespeople don't make the best managers, and that's simply because the individuals that are good, great managers, they have this innate thing within them that they care about their teams. They actually want to coach their teams. They want to coach other individuals. Believe it or not, I was one of those individuals. I always saw myself as actually wanting to be a manager and a leader because I always felt that I was able to offer more support and help. So I think for me, that's the measure when you are recruiting a manager. And it's the competencies that you need to understand that makes a good manager, not just on paper, but actually the actions that the individual displays. And I think that normally you'll be able to see in a team environment, those individuals naturally that just bring the people together.
0: Just before we finish up, I wanted to hear about tech. And if there's any tech you found has made your life significantly easier as a manager or tech you'd recommend, to managers who have diverse teams performing a diverse
1: variety of roles? So funnily enough, the pandemic has been a very interesting time for me in that I've been able to test lots of new technology. So sales tech that does the heavy lifting. Yes, there is lots of technology out there that can help managers. However, I am not a fan of using that technology on a carte blanche basis. The simple reason being is that when you do that, what you're doing is you're dumbing down the skills of the salesperson. If the salesperson does not understand why the technology is being used to supplement the work that they do, they won't actually understand what needs to change when another variable changes. So I think as a manager, you have to look at each individual and say, well, what technology might help this individual? Because, naturally, we're creatures of habit, but there are also things that we like doing and then other things that we just dislike doing. So a great example in sales is admin. So there are amazing bits of tech that can automate linking your email to your CRM system. What you've got to do is you've got to actually see each individual and say, well, how can I help this individual do more? The only way that you do that is if you understand each individual. So A lot of this goes back to actually a manager being able to explain to their team members why certain things are important. So a really good example here I'd use is filing. No one in sales likes filing. No one likes admin, right? But more often than not, that's because the manager hasn't been able to articulate or explain to their sales team why filing is important, why maintaining the CRM system is important. And if they're able to do that, they will be able to trigger something else in the employee's mind.
0: Absolutely. All of a sudden, it doesn't just become an arbitrary task and chore. It becomes something that obviously contributes to a meaningful goal. And something that obviously contributes to a meaningful goal is almost by definition worthwhile, as opposed to some bleak, arbitrary task of admin that everyone rolls their eyes at. Yeah, I like the detail there about you don't want to sort of dumb down the skills, because, you know, it's one of the paradoxes of human behavior. But whenever we get the comfort of a leg up we get the sort of immediate spontaneous discomfort of oh god I can't do that thing anymore and as a manager you're invested in the long term as one of your aims the medium and long-term development of the skills of your sales team so I guess sort of another one of these balancing acts we've been talking about is well how do I make my sales team's lives easier and more efficient and more effective while not sort of dumbing down their skills or slowing the rate of development? That's a difficult question to answer.
1: Well, yes and no. I think the role of a manager is to help to create that environment for the salesperson to thrive. So one of the biggest things that I would say is that actually new managers, they will get lots of information from their boss. And natural tendency, that inertia kind of kicks in and they want to say, oh, I've got to share this with my team. And as they get more experienced as a manager, well, what you realize is that whatever your boss tells you, You've got to start questioning and you've got to say, well, well, why is that relevant? Why should we do that? You know, I don't want to overburden my team because they've got this work that they're doing. And and remember, every time a new initiative comes in, you take it to your team. Well, it's a distraction. Right. So you have to be really, really careful. You have to challenge back in a considered way to your boss. And I think that the role of the manager actually is going to evolve because If the leader's role is strategic and the manager's role is operational, well, the manager is best placed to understand what's going on with their team, what internal, external factors are influencing or effective them, and determine actually whether those initiatives are right now or they need to be introduced in a better way. What I found is that a lot of managers, because they maybe aren't strong enough, they haven't developed those skills, they receive that information from their line manager And instantaneously, they're trying to implement this new thing. And actually, just let's be kind of mindful that ultimately, we're giving our sales teams a lot of work to do. So every time we have this new initiative, this new project, this new piece of work, it's a change. And change is notoriously difficult to manage. So we've got to do it in a very considered way. And to be honest, I think Again, there are times in the year when we can actually implement that change. Trying to do it throughout the process, it creates more confusion. And then it has a knock-on impact on results and, and what everything else that we're trying to achieve.
0: Yeah, there's a sporting analogy. You know, I watch a lot of football and a lot of cricket. And so often a new manager will come in midway through the season. And his first move will be to change absolutely nothing. You know, he'll play the exact same eleven from the last game and slowly work it out. There's no radical overhaul of playing style. We're not pressing whereas before we dropped off. It's all of a sudden a slow thing because just like within sales, you're not just implementing a change in your life. You're managing a change across an environment of 10, 15, 100 people, all of whom have a relationship with the current system and each other and working relationships that to some degree rely on the previous system and to just go and go, yes, all change probably sounds good and gives you the dopamine hits five minutes before you announce it. But in actual fact, is disruptive. And managing the rate of change is just another thing to add to the long list of soft skills that managers probably don't get taught, but very much have to run up against.
1: And change management, I mean, I'm a big fan of change management concepts, because I think that not enough managers understand the theory. Not enough managers understand the psychological impact of change. So one of the biggest things that I used to do with my managers is actually get them to think about the impact on change on them personally. Because as soon as they're able to actually put themselves in their team's shoes, they start realizing, well, this is how I felt when my boss told me I had to do this in addition to everything else. This is what happened when my boss in that meeting said, Guess what? We're changing direction. And all of a sudden, you spent all this time working on X, and now it feels as though it was a waste, and you've got to go, why. So I said, don't get into that habit. And I love the sporting analogy because I'm a big fan of actually watching and listening to what managers of different sports teams say, how they articulate themselves. Take a Jose Mourinho against the Jurgen Klopp, against the Pep Guardiola. You know, three very distinct styles and three very personable individuals who kind of have had phenomenal results. So there is no one kind of way that wins, but you've just got to be true to yourself. You've got to develop your own style as a manager that kind of resonates with you and it's in line with your values and what you consider to be important.
0: Yeah, absolutely. There really is no one way up the mountain, but the authenticity is the crucial detail. Because there is nothing that really unites the managerial philosophies of Guardiola or Klopp or Sam Allardyce or Pep Guardiola. You know, you can go as extreme as you like. And these are individuals the whole way through with a huge amount of success. And the only thing you can really say looking from the outside when looking for managerial tips is nothing practical, really, or universal beyond the fact that they were authentic. And if they weren't authentic, they just wouldn't have had the same level of success because you can't be so internally certain about what you're doing, unless it's truly you. And that sounds slightly naff and cliched and sugary and Disney. But the evidence is if you look at successful managers with diverse styles in all contexts, they're absolutely certain about what they're doing, which doesn't mean close minded, but it means authentic. And the role of authenticity in management is something that I imagine you end up having to do in a sink or swim situation. If you come in trying to be something you're slightly not, it just won't work.
1: I'll explain it to you in this way, and this is something that we have in the programs that the London School of Sales has developed. We make a distinction between values and behaviors. So values are ideas, and those ideas will evolve throughout your life as you go through different stages of your life. The behavior, though, is your intent. So a lot of companies will have company values as an example, a company value might be being straightforward. Well, actually, that doesn't always correlate to an individual. They might not be able to comprehend that idea because they might not necessarily understand how to be straightforward. So the intention is the more important thing. Your behavior is the more important thing. So individuals have to actually have the right behavior. So make sure the actions correlate to the words that you use if you're going to talk about being straightforward then be straightforward a great example here is when if you're booking a meeting in a sales environment or you're trying to send a proposal you'll say i'll try and get you the proposal by the end of the week well that doesn't fill me with a lot of confidence because try is actually a negative word you know if you're going to actually do the right thing then say i will get the proposal to you by the end of the week because will is saying, you're making a distinction. You will do something. Try means maybe I will, maybe I won't.
0: You know, I used to at school, you know, you had two clarifications. I will maybe try, you know, (laughs) and there's this order of magnitudes of a lack of it's going to happen. Vanette, I really appreciate your time. Just before we finish up, is there any advice you would have given to yourself right at the start of the managerial game that would have been useful that you've now kind of got?
1: most important thing i don't have to think twice when i say this is manage my fear because as a new manager you are overwhelmed you're constantly being thrown new information and it's very easy to be fearful about making mistakes fearful about the judgment that other people have fearful about whether what you're doing is right so I think what you have to do is find someone that you can talk to about what you're going through, what you're doing, what you're thinking, because actually you're not doing this on your own. You're doing it for the betterment of your team, for the betterment of yourself and the betterment of your organization. So make sure that you're open and you're talking about your own feelings and, and what you're doing, why you're doing, because that validation ultimately will help you develop this stronger mindset. And the stronger your mindset is, the better you're going to be able to help your team, care about your team. Because ultimately, you know, what you're doing is something powerful. Not everyone can do it. You know, the statistics I've shared earlier kind of suggest that. So just be open, talk to people and ask yourself that question. This is, for me, it's the most important thing. What did I learn today? It's probably the most important question to ask yourself every day. What did I learn? And I don't just mean external stuff about yourself, because the more you understand yourself, the better you will become as an individual, the more predictability you will have in what you're offering your team.
0: Vinit, thank you so much for your time.
1: You're welcome. Thank you for having me.
0: Guys, that was Vinit Shah. He runs the London School of Sales. I recommend very strongly checking it out. And thank you as always for listening to the SAS Sales Performance Podcast. And as always, we'll see you next week. So thank you for listening to the SAS Sales Performance Podcast. At UHubs, we help businesses develop and upskill their teams. To see how you stack up against the industry's best, or to get marketing and sales tips from SaaS experts, check out uhubs.co.uk.